picture a very, very old guitar standing in the middle of the living room, staring back at you. You had a really hard time getting it here. And uh, a guy named Sergei, the guitar angel, is the real reason that it arrived in one piece. And there's a voice in your head, and it says, you're a horn player without a band. And then there's another voice that says, what do you got to lose? So you're nervous. And this isn't some well-intentioned cover song. This is your song. So I have an album coming out soon. It's my first album, and it's called Heaven Get Behind Me. In came the goldfish. And this is the story behind it. The black, black mud. I'm Marco, and you're listening to Songbird. You're standing in the door. All right, so we're going to talk about the songwriting process and the recording process and music and technology and screwing things up and figuring out how to fix the things you screwed up and just sort of how you live through the process of putting your shit out there and not following an easy formula, really trying to make something from scratch and what that means. So in the first season of this podcast, we're going to listen to each track from Heaven Get Behind Me in sequence. So it's going to be one episode per song. We're going to have demos, total dirty laundry, letting it all hang out to dry. And yeah, we're going to have the mastered finished tracks too. All right. So why is this podcast called Songbird? Well, there's a couple of reasons. There are these black crows in the trees where we live in Moscow. And for some reason, they're just like, like, you know, talking like outside the windows all the time. And there's nothing terribly romantic about them. Basically, they witnessed me writing these songs. They witnessed me recording these songs. And sometimes they're, <laughs> they're in the background on the recordings. I mean, the microphone really picked them up. In a funny way, I recorded this album with the Crows kind of riding shotgun with me. And there's a shitload of Tom Waits quotes about songs are like old cars and old girlfriends or whatever. There's this one he says, and I know I'll say it wrong, but basically he says, songs are like birds. They fly in through the window and you chase them around. And sometimes you just end up with a mouthful of feathers. And, you know, I, I, <laughs> it's a good one. I guess what I'm trying to say is that songs are these very elusive creatures and they literally fly in the window, very unexpected, and you got to catch them. And there's the ones that got away, no question. You need to be ready, emotionally ready, creatively ready. You got to have a guitar around, opportunity strikes, and you need to be ready to pounce on it. And I have to say, it's really satisfying when you catch one. You got to be vigilant, but damn, it's worth it. So you guys are my new songbirds. 
I'm thinking that you're riding shotgun with me and we're going to do this together. I was a killer And I'm your brother And I am so tired Of looking over my shoulder I'm so tired of looking at you Here's a sort of a timeline, like a, a chain of events. I started writing songs, and it was incredibly humbling and humiliating because I couldn't do it, and I sucked. But I said, all right, just don't surrender. So then I'd write another song, and I'd say, yeah, this song sucks. And then I would write another song, and I'd say, hmm, it might be something. And then I'd listen to it the next day, and I'm like, nah, actually it sucks. But it reminds me of something that I thought about a, a long time ago. So it kind of hit that weird memory nerve. So then I'd take a break and, you know, live my life and cook and work and be a dad and be a husband, and, and I didn't push it. But I also didn't avoid it. So, you know, it, it's a dishwasher. You rinse, you repeat, you, you scrape, you do it again, and then what do you know? You actually wrote a song that doesn't suck. You eventually have a pile of the best songs you could write that you're not embarrassed by. I have complete respect for people who want to make an album of the eight or ten or whatever songs that are the best songs they wrote in a certain amount of time, and then they just put it all in one bowl, one container, and they call it an album. That's not how my brain works. My creative strength is sort of writing like a collection of short stories that somehow are much more than the sum of their parts. And they all relate to each other in tiny ways or even large ways. And it's like this sort of atmospheric experience you go into and all this shit happens. And then it's over and you're like, eh, that was something. So that is not just like the 10 best songs I could write. So... What happened was I wrote a song called Marfa and Marfa is track two on the album. And oh, well, well, we'll get to that, to the Marfa episode, but I wrote Marfa and I was like, holy shit, I actually could make an album now. All right. So the, the doors opened and I took notice and then I, I got to work. No, Martha, you ain't guilty Cause it's nobody is And there is no reason But there is a wall This is kind of like a, a free-for-all bonus round where I wrote down a bunch of notes of things I thought were halfway smart to say, and we'll see how stupid they sound. I think songwriting is about reaching into something really mysterious, in certain situations even sacred. And with the utmost respect, you just try to say, I am this person in this room on this day, and this song... It's just going to come out the way it's going to come out. If I wrote it tomorrow, if I recorded it tomorrow, it would be different. 
it's not just that the performance is a, a document of who you are and where you were at in your, you know, nutty, magical life. It's that moment when you wrote it is this other sort of very unique moment. It's this weird little dance between the moment that you wrote it and the moment that you perform and record it. And some people do it kind of at the same time in the studio, and that blows my mind. But sometimes you write it and then you record it six years later. It's this really interesting sort of ballet between two parts of yourself. And it's very fragile. And at the same time, it's just so full of surprises. And Jesus, that's a really nice thing to experience. I knew I wanted to come up with a, a few themes that would glue my album together. And once I had written Marfa, there was a theme of regret and apology and confession and just having nothing to freaking lose and talking to a stranger in a really desperate way. This will all make sense once you hear some of the songs. Uh, so just stick with me here. So in a way, I understood these songs were like letters from people to other people that they were very close to, saying the things they were just too scared to say. First albums are like first novels. They're completely naive. And sometimes that's a really good thing. If you don't know what you're doing, the process is actually very easy in certain ways. Eventually you find out, oh my God, what the hell was I doing? Why did I do it that way? But the truth is, beginners and people that are naive about what they're doing when they're doing things like writing and recording music are at an incredible advantage. You have far less barriers, in a funny way, than people that have been doing it for a long time. Which is why first albums may have all kinds of weird technical problems and something's overcompressed or the, something's bleeding too much, whatever. But on the other side, those are the albums people tend to love more than your later albums. So enjoy being a beginner is, you know, what I learned in the middle of my life. Never been to Graceland. King is dead. Long live the king. There's something really interesting about recording at home. And I know it's become such a trend and, you know, becomes this like publicity gimmick. You know, recorded at home. It's it's like it doesn't make the music better or worse, is of course the truth. That's just up to you. But what I found is that recording studios. I mean, of course, some of them have a real aura and a real vibe. You know, if you could say Elvis took a shit in the corner, he'd say, oh, what a cool room. I got to record there. It's all kind of bullshit we tell ourselves to, you know, feel like rock stars when we're in some stinky basement somewhere trying to record. The truth is there's something about the sterile, cold, dampened, deadened, environment of a studio that of course allows you to do all sorts of things technically but the truth is you're missing out on what happens when sounds bounce around a real lived-in room or a 
porch or a garage or whatever it is, or a submarine. I mean, people record albums in the most bizarre places for good reasons. It sounds interesting, but at the same time, I say it's freaking worth it. My chair creaks. Sometimes there's renovation downstairs and there's like vibration in the floor and Sometimes I fucking threw the windows open and the birds were chirping. And I was like, yeah, that's that's part of it, man. And yeah, I'm I'm sure someone's cringing and saying I'm a fucking idiot. But um it made sense to me at the time. And I'm I'm good with it in a, in my own naive, stupid way. So there's something amazing about real spaces. And the thing is, I don't record with headphones on. I sort of try to set the levels and do all the engineering stuff as good as I can and know I'm not insanely good at it. I do get better, though. <laughs> um, but the point is, I take the headphones off, I hit record, and I trot over to the other side of the room and sit in the chair that I like to sit in, play an old guitar that I love, and sing my songs. By not hearing myself through the headphones, it just allowed me to relax a bit. And it made my performances so much less calculated, so much less performed. And in a funny way, it was like a field recording. And I kind of started to fall in love with that process. Will I do more albums like that? Incredibly good question. Uh, but that's how this one happened. And it felt right. And I want to believe that's one of its strengths. Never been to Graceland The king is dead, long live the king Delilah They can burn my eyes out I won't make a sound I had a really serious health scare in the middle of writing and recording this album and I really kind of brushed right up against my own mortality in a pretty intense and in a long, slow, terrifying way. So that had to make its way into the album. There was no way of getting around that. And I lost a dear, dear friend after I had recorded everything. And some of the songs suddenly changed colors and felt very prophetic about someone else's life, not my own. I think maybe that's the simple answer to what this album is about. At some point, we're all going to die. And that's part of this album for me now. And maybe it'll become part of the album for you too. So you asked, what did I learn? Nothing, woman. Nothing at all. Except the feel of your breath on my neck 
summer night. So that's a basic idea of what the show is about. The nutty, nutty, magical adventure of songwriting and the very stressful, maddening process of recording those songs. So all of you are songbirds. You're going to ride shotgun and uh, we're going to do this together. Thanks for being curious. This is the part where I ask you to like and uh, to subscribe. And you can find us on songbirdpodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever the hell you listen to your podcasts. Basically, please find us. And shout out to Bunky Hunt of Whistlepig Records in Detroit, Martin Ruby's new home. And who the hell's Martin Ruby? Well, we'll get there. Next time on Songbird, Sun Records, Mike Techniques, A Torrid Affair, and The Death of Federico Fellini. Thanks for listening. Heaven get behind me.